passion for what you're doing. This rings true because it's so hard that if you don't, any rational person would give up. It's really hard, and you have to do it over a sustained period of time. So if you don't love it, and if you're not happy with doing it, Welcome to another episode of John's Entitled Podcast, a partner of MoshPitNation.com. This week's guest is uh, Rob Blasco Nicholson, the band manager for such bands as In This Moment, Black Veil Brides, Andy Beersack, uh, vocalist of Black Veil Brides, and podcaster extraordinaire. He is the co-host of Managemental with Mike Mowry of Outer Loop Management, as well as his brand new podcast, A New Level Podcast, uh, where he talks to a lot of industry folk, and uh, it's really good. Uh, but... Joining me now is my new co-host, Daniel Terry. How are you doing? Oh, man, pretty good. I'm, I'm stoked, man. I've been listening to this podcast for the past 24 hours. so <laughs> yeah, It's kind of different being able to, to binge listen to a podcast, isn't it? It is. It's like Netflix. You know, like they drop a new they drop a new season or whatever, and you're like, all right, man, I'm cancel all my appointments for the next two days. You know? <laughs> yeah, I've been currently binge listening the a new level podcast while also binge watching glow season two was pleasantly surprised with this podcast i uh you know when someone says that you know they're they're kind of changing the format because typically only you know scripted podcasts are really the only ones that drop like you know episodes all at once so it was kind of refreshing to to get a podcast like this like where you know and i think it's smart and you know i'm interested to talk to blasco about you know the the concept of dropping everything all at once versus putting out weekly episodes or whatever because you know when you get into a new podcast it's almost the inherent nature to just binge listen all the back catalog that you haven't you didn't know existed until you found that one episode that got you in so i don't know if that was kind of the reasoning behind it or what but yeah i'm not sure either i'll be interested to find out what the answer to that is because i mean it's kind of nice too with them being like little 30 minute episodes like i definitely definitely didn't feel bogged down you know what i mean it was just like on to the next thing on to the next thing on to the next thing and that, that was cool you know a little bit faster paced than what we're used to you know, I think Rob does a great job of keeping everything fresh and interesting and, and asking questions as someone who knows, who has spent a lot of time in the industry, but also as someone who can, for lack of a better word, dumb it down for the rest of us to kind of understand what they're talking about. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I just liked the industry insight that I think sometimes we don't get with other podcasts. Um there's a little bit more like real practical advice. And I think that's just because, you know, Blasco's friends, Blasco's friends with people with these people, like he's just calling his buddies up and having these conversations. So I think they kind of come across as a little bit more, um, sincere, you know what I mean? They're not necessarily, you know, watching what they say and that sort of thing. And it's not trash talk. It's all incredibly positive, which I actually find kind of refreshing to be honest. <laughs> The thing that I think was kind of interesting, and I, doubt, I know hopefully we'll get into it with Blasco, uh, is, you know, in listening to these conversations, you know, there's someone like Scott Lee. To me, Scott Lee was always like a big name in the hardcore scene, you know, between him working at the Palladium in, uh, in Massachusetts, uh, in Westchester. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things like that's a name for me that's iconic and it ha always has been in the, the metal hardcore community for the last decade plus. And, you know, and to see, you know, to have been following him for so long and see that, you know, now that he's the, the vice president or 
co-owner, I'm sorry, the co-owner of Sound Rink, which is basically a new form of a way for bands to make money with like the VIP meet and greets uh, and so forth. Like that's Mm -hmm. basically a new revenue stream for a lot of bands to make money where the revenue streams are dying up. So it's interesting to see for me being a fan of this scene, someone that's been a part of it and had, and like always kind of finding new ways to put the bands that, you know, he loves and are friends with and so forth that he's still actively finding ways to, to promote and be a part of this music scene, even though he's like out of the booking aspect of things. Yeah, it's really cool. And it's funny too, because I think a lot of these, these other forms of promotion, like these kind of, we call them new forms of promotion. They're not new necessarily, but it's one of those things where a lot, you know, while people were still cashing in on CD sales, you know, like all that stuff was just kind of like window dressing yeah, and now 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 we're actually looking at some of these uh, promotion methods as being like actually the the main money makers uh, <laughs> for for a lot of these bands, and it's it's what keeps them on the road and keeps them doing what they're doing. And uh, I think that's really that's that's pretty cool. Like that they were creative enough to be like, no, we don't necessarily have to change up what we do. We're already great at promoting. It's not our fault that CDs aren't selling anymore. It's it's just the way people are now. Um, so I thought it was really cool, you know, seeing these like little seeing bands get 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 better on like these meet and greets and doing like these weird commercials and you know um <laughs> like you had you had you had a hailstorm on a budweiser commercial you know and then you know suddenly they're they're huge you know <laughs> just stuff like that you know you really didn't see that for a little while and now it's kind of cool that it's coming back well i think that's a good as place as any to uh kind of wrap up our intro thing and get ready to go right into our chat with uh blasco who Maybe you can offer us more insight into some of these these questions we have as as fans and sort of, I guess, media as well. So let's get into our chat with Blasco. Yes, let's. Hello. Hey, what's Hello. up? What's up, man? All right. Well, finally got this to work. <laughs> nice. Very cool, man. Very cool. You hear me all right? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. Are you able to hear us good? Yep, absolutely. Loud and clear. Cool. All right. And uh, we're hopefully going to get like about 35 minutes or so with you. Is that cool? Or do you have to be somewhere at a yep. certain time? Nope, I was already somewhere, so I'm I'm good now. Okay, we're cool. figuring that we would try to keep it a uh, new level esque at about thirty five forty minutes. Yeah, 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 perfect. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Apparently, nice that one. is the excellent time management to get to a new level is thirty five forty minutes. If it takes any le- more, then you are not at a new level. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I, <laughs> I you know it's kind of like, you know, it's interesting because I. I Mike and I have another podcast called Managemental, and and so like sort of the the history of that time frame kind of came down to like we did we did demos like at first like Mike and I were like oh we should do a podcast right and so we kind of didn't know what the fuck we were doing and so we just like it was like two guys riffing like about the music business like endlessly with no direction 
What you know what I mean? Like it was kind of like, oh, well, let's talk about this. Oh, here's this other thing. Let's talk about this. And it was just like, and you like you listen back and you go, this sucks, man. <laughs> like it's it's just like rambling, directionless, and you're like, it's too long, you know. And <laughs> like I noticed that whenever like like I look at a podcast, like if I just like I'm like, oh, oh yeah, like I heard someone look at that or mention it. And then I, I look at it like on iTunes and I see the episodes are like an hour long. I like I like forget it, man. Fuck, like no way. And um, like I also got that kind of time to invest. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Joe, like Joe, like Joe Rogan's podcast. Not happening. Like yeah. two hour episodes. I'm like, I, I don't like where where do I have an extra two hours? Like I don't. And uh, <laughs> so so I looked at like podcasts that like I like that I listened to and they were all short they were like like entrepreneurs on fire is like 20 minutes and hundred dollar mba is like 10 minutes and i was like man like we gotta like we gotta figure like we gotta we gotta retool it so we so we uh so uh i i narrowed it down and i go okay this is what's gonna happen like we're gonna focus on one topic and it's gonna be 30 minutes like max and and that's what we've been doing for like, you know, a year and a half or whatever. And it's working out great. So whenever a new level, like whenever I went into that, I was like, I was like, okay, well I'm going to model it after entrepreneurs on fire. It's going to be formatted in that everybody kind of gets the same questions. And, you know, obviously those questions lead to additional questions, but the, but the format is the same. And I was like, and I was like, but I, they have to be like, you know, 20, 30 minutes. Like that was the idea. And then I recorded my first episode with Ryan Downey for a new level and it was fucking two hours. <laughs> that was the first talk. one. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, Oh, well, I might have to overthink this, but I just had my guy like edit it down to 30 minutes. So, so whenever I track them, they all tend to be like, you know, 45 minutes or so, you know, so, and, and so I, I just edit, I just edit it down to 30 minutes. And then, and then I kind of, and then after the fact, I realized that that John Lee Doom is like entrepreneurs on fire. Like even though his are you know were twenty minutes and stuff, like his conversations were longer. He just edited it down. So I was like, oh okay, cool. Well, like I'm in the ballpark. It's not like I, it's not like everything is going to work out perfectly for me every time, you know. So, but anyway, that's the long winded story of how thirty minutes came to be. No, I mean I think uh, it's it's a good amount of time. And, you know, just kind of like almost the difference between to kind of correlate it to music, uh, you know, an, an EP versus like a long, like an, a long full full length album. A lot of times like an EP should hopefully by the time it's done, make you go like, fuck, I want more of that. Whereas the sometimes an album like that new Drake record at 25 tracks, you're like, fuck, dude, uh, whoo. no one told you that like probably 12 of these tracks probably could have been scrapped or reworked or hey, maybe that just is another album for another time. Not to drop all at once. Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I just kind of look at it as like, who's going to, who ha, who is going to invest that kind of time and who has that kind of time? I figure it's like, you know, for managemental or, or, or even for a new level is a new level. I mean, managemental is specifically music business education, but like, like a new level is a little 
it, it could be viewed as educational, depending on how how it is that you're listening to it. Um, uh, but but I just I just figure it's like man, like thirty minutes is like you know an average drive time or an average time that you're doing something to where you can commit to 30 minutes. But anything longer than that seems like you're kind of like you're overstepping your boundaries of what's in good taste of what you feel like your audience is really capable of enjoying. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm just taking notes, man. Uh, my, uh, I do another podcast and, uh, yeah, we, dude, we've gone we've gone like three hours before, but um, it's a little different though in that we're not educating people necessarily. We just talk about bands like their whole like if you're talking about a band like Napalm Death, it's going to take three hours to get there. But uh, sure, yeah, you know. no, no doubt, no doubt. So I kind of wanted to ask you. I mean, first of all, I want to say congrats on the very overwhelming success that the podcast has had in the last uh, couple of days since you dropped it, literally as a whole. And uh, I kind of wanted to know, where did the concept of dropping a season come about? Uh, it was a combination of Pat Flynn. Um, Pat Flynn, I don't know if you know if you guys know who Pat Flynn is, but he's sort of like the the guru of, of, of podcasting in a lot of ways. And um, he has podcasts that he drops in season. So inspirationally it came from that as well as Jabberjaw. Jabberjaw is my, you know, media uh, hosting partner. And they were like, man, like we should, we should drop this in as a season, as opposed to one at a time. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, Pat Flynn, uh, he, he does that. And then John Lee Dumas, he actually suggested um, that it to whenever you first drop a podcast to drop at least three episodes out of the gate. And the reasoning behind the three episodes or at least three episodes is that you have you have more ability to get more downloads, which then provides you the opportunity to get into new and noteworthy on Apple Podcasts, right? So, um, and, you know, I, I mean, I, I kind of think that that's partially the reason why I was able to debut at number 19 and climb up to number 17 on the music business podcast or the music uh, podcast charts is um, is because there was multiple people listening to multiple episodes. If it was just one episode, I probably would have never got anywhere near that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's it's definitely an interesting thing. In kind of trying to pick it apart, it was kind of is it because we're also more in a a binging type society now like we know with, you know, I was making a, a reference to my co-host Dan here that between binging your podcast, I was also binge watching season 2 of Glow. So it's like I was literally binge watching something while binge listening to something the last couple of days. And it's it's one of those where it's kind of nice, but I I kind of have wondered is the downfall maybe that, you know, you're going to see a huge spike right away and then until season two, you're going to kind of see it trail off until, you know, the tease of season two is, is coming where people are like, oh, shit, I need to go back and, and listen to a couple episodes and kind of, you know, get back reacquainted with this this thing. Yeah, potentially. But I also feel like, you know, the strategy is that doing interviews and driving awareness to it over time, word of mouth, building it up so that whenever someone does find it, 
that they can just attach themselves to the content rather than have to worry about subscribing and checking and like, oh, there's a new episode, you know, now or whatever. Um, it's, you know, I mean, it's kind of like it's debatable one way or the other. Um, but like it just kind of made sense, like kind of like you said, it's like, um, you know, like, for instance, like when we talk about Netflix binging, my favorite show on Netflix, it was this show called American Vandal. Mm -hmm. And it was and it was about, you know, 10 episodes and I binged it all on a weekend and it was amazing. But like there's you know, there's nothing for me to then now deal with other than watch the season again or wait for the second season so i just kind of feel like it's, it's the balance of well you have to make a decision one way or the other and whatever decision that is that you make you just have to commit to it you know what i mean so it's kind of like you know that's just that's just what we decided to do and you know i'm sure that you know whatever either way it could have worked out but to, to me that this made sense of like because of the con the type of content that it is to drive traffic to it for someone and people to be able to binge through it over the course of the 4th of July weekend or whatever, just timing wise kind of in my mind made sense. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of wondering too, you know, I, this podcast I've been doing for a little over a year now, uh, and obviously I'm seeing a growth exponentially the last couple of months. Surprisingly to me, I don't really, don't really know what I'm doing <laughs> to cause it, but, right. uh, you know, and kind of thinking about how long you've been doing, you know, managemental and now with a new level, as well as being a guest on a lot of, you know, popular podcasts like Jamie Josta show and, and so forth. Have you noticed how much the podcast game has changed in the last little while? It's crazy. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I, whenever I first heard someone talking about podcasts, like, I don't even know that I understood exactly what it was. And, and, uh, I don't think really most people did. Um, and, and to see them come to the point to where they're at now, whereas, you know, it was like, Oh, it was, it was people talking, you're recording a conversation. It's an interview. In a lot of ways, it seems so basic, but the cool thing about podcasting is, is now we have things like lore, right. Or, or, or serial mm -hmm. and, and people are, are taking the platform into such there, there's, it's sort of like it's unwritten. There's so much room for innovation. You know, it, it, it's like, whereas like in metal music, I almost feel like every riff has been written. Whereas in podcasting, like every riff hasn't been written yet. You know, it's, it's undetermined. Like when it, you look at, for instance, like the, uh, Marvel did the Wolverine podcast yeah. and, and that's, and that's exclusive to Stitcher, you know, I mean, it's just like, Oh, wow. What, like, what, like, like it's just, there's so much room for innovation now in the podcasting world. It's so it's, it's such an exciting place to be that you're just like, wow, it's, it's, it's just so cool. And then, and then it's overwhelming the amount of content that's out there, man. It's like, if you surf around, like, you know, like Apple podcasts, like all the different, all the different genres that it's in and everything, you're like, Oh wow. I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> so I think it's, I think what's cool about it is how far it's come, but not only that, but it's how far will it go? How far will people take it? That's what's interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah, I think the uh, 
the interesting thing about it too is you know part of the reason why it's been such a boom i mean i remember the first podcast i ever listened to it was some crappy video game podcast or something you know and i remember i had to download the podcast on itunes on my computer Uh, right and then i had to plug a cable into my ipod because i had an at that time i had an ipod and like a flip phone you know and uh (laughs) And then uh, I had to plug it in, and then I had to go into iTunes, wait for iTunes to recognize the iPod, and then I had to transfer every episode I wanted to listen to onto that. And, you know, Grandma's not going to do that. But in 2018, Grandma's just hitting a button and subscribing to whatever she wants, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, it's been huge. And that's, uh, man, that it, it's just crazy how it's exploded. But I think one of the things that it's affected the most has been kind of like band per like as far as the music industry goes like band perceptions like how bands are portrayed to everybody else because i mean years ago you could hear a band and think that they were really cool but if you didn't know them or know anything about them there's certain things you know about the way they act or how they treated people and things like that that you know aren't don't really come to life and i've kind of noticed as podcasting has taken off you know you're starting to kind of get the real deal you know with some of these interviews um and I guess the question I have for you, Blasco, is, you know, if there is anything that's changed in how bands, you know, self-promote, do you feel like now that everything's kind of out in the open that, band, you know, people that were maybe less professional back back in the day and got away with it, you know, can really get away with it now? And obviously I'm not I'm not asking for, like, you know, specific names of bands or anything, but just like. You know, do do you think that you know, with with the way promotion is now, that bands kind of have to almost kind of watch their behavior a little bit? Oh, without a doubt. Are you kidding me? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean, how many how many careers have been ended from people not being careful of what they say? And and to me, it's like bewildering. Of like you realize that this is the world wide web, right? Like you, you realize <laughs> that everyone knows what you're saying. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's unbelievable, you know, but, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 in some ways I'd like to think that, you know, a lot of us can learn from other people's mistakes in that regard of like, man, we're not immune to, this if someone else career if someone else can ruin their own career by you know saying some shit about a previous president and you know and like refer to him as an animal like like let's just not do that like let's not let's not get in the habit of doing things like that because that is a career ender so yes, of course we have to be we have to be aware and and cautious and and know that you know someone's quick to uh, some someone's quick to to judge you and 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 not only that too but it's like I think there's certain things that rock bands potentially need to stay away from unless of course their careers were built on taking a specific stance on on a specific issue but you know by and large man I I, I feel like we should stay away from things like politics and religion. It's like, it's not, it's, it's not really, it, like no one really cares. 
and we're not and our words aren't really going to change anything just by saying an opinion if it's really going to be that overly divisive and you're potentially going to cut off like a big percentage of your fan base you know what i mean like a, a lot of people when we're talking about these types of issues you're kind of splitting you're splitting the world down the middle right that that are, are going to be one way or the other and view the world from you know from the dark side or the light side and if you as a rock band take a stance from the light side then you're eliminating your fans from the dark side and that's kind of counterproductive in my opinion you know so um but yes i think that's a long-winded answer to your question of like yeah we people have to be cautious of what they say i mean it's just the reality of the world that we're living in on the flip side of that though i i do wonder because i've had a few headline making statements made on here which kind of was shocking it makes me wonder if potentially somebody else in an industry you know in the music industry might be like wow that could be a hot take that could get my band in the headlines and, and so forth do you think that bands or individuals might try to use the sort of shittiness of, of making a headline like that just to kind of help promote an album because you know all no there is no such thing as bad publicity uh i mean you'd have to have a a very you know intelligent forward-thinking chance taking musician to go like i'm gonna say some shit and it's gonna i'm gonna say some shit in an interview or in a podcast and it's gonna end up as a blabbermouth headline and it's gonna get me a bunch of press i i feel like I don't I don't feel like by and large people generally take those types of risks calculated. Mm-hmm. Um and if they do uh you know it potentially is a, maybe a little bit more obvious, you know, because it's like it, it's like to me it's a little it's a little selfish if that's the plan if you're in a band, right? Like you've got 3 to 4 other people that you're you know you're on the same team with so it seems a little selfish to do something that's going to shine a negative light on you for the sake of cheap press whenever you have other people that may or may not agree with you that are on the same team that have been like whoa man like it would have been cool if you would have consulted with us before you talk some shit about other people just to get a headline right in a best case scenario you cut your fan base in half (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, that's, um, that's, that, that's a terrible, that's a terrible idea. I also think that you would have to be like really into analytics. Like you'd have to basically formulate an opinion on an issue that you knew that the majority of people actually held versus whatever the popular opinion was. It's kind of one of those, like, if, you, if, if you're smart enough to be the guy that says what everyone's thinking, you might be able to get away with it. But I think that requires a level of knowledge that I think, uh, you know, your average musician is too busy <laughs> to really obtain. Yeah, I, I agree. Like I said, I, 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 I doubt that the majority of people go into a situation like this with the intent of capturing a, a headline for, you know, free press. That seems <laughs> I, 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 I would bet that that is generally unlikely. Ooh, yeah, that's uh, it's definitely one of those one of those things where, you know, I think I've seen people get away with it. But like, I don't know, it's uh, it's rough, you know. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I couldn't imagine. I think also, you know, to kind of kind of go back to the whole um, 
changes in the music music industry part of it is that like you know i think years ago you didn't necessarily have to rely on that as much you know to, to rely on trying to get headlines and because i feel like everybody's trying to make that presence online but um one of the things that i really um one of the things that i was kind of wondering what your opinion was because i've 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 been to this podcast in about three days uh all 10 episodes and nice. um thank you yeah I feel so much smarter now that I have. Because, um, <laughs> you know, like, it, that's the thing. Like, I'm a guy that talks about the music industry, but, like, my exposure to it is very limited, you know, in comparison to you and in comparison to the guys that you're talking to, you know. So it, it's nice to have that, you know, that real-life perspective. And, you know, some of my perspective ended up being confirmed by listening to those episodes. But then other ones, um, other ones, I was like, oh, wow, I was way off on that, you know. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, but one of the things um, that I'm wondering, too, is like you take like an older band, you know, um, you know, that maybe got popular in the 80s and 90s. You know, how in your experience are those bands adjusting to kind of the new frontier of self-promotion? Because there's a lot more self-promotion required now from bands that I feel like, you know, I mean, obviously, when everybody started in the 80s and 90s, they were they were sticking flyers up and, you know, on, on telephone poles and you know what I mean? Like they, they were, they were throwing flyers all over and doing all that stuff starting out. But once it seemed like back in the day, once you got signed to a label that believed in you, then they kind of just took it from there. Like kind of a, you know, sit back, we'll do all the work kind of situation. And uh, I, I'm wondering now um, in your experience, if you've seen any, any of the older bands kind of faltering in that regard, like, if they're trying to like fall back on the old way of doing things or if they, if, if it's, you know, the new methods are being adopted better by older bands. Well, I mean, it's general, right? I mean, it's a, it's a general, it's a broad stroke question, but I understand where you're coming from. And, you know, it, 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 it is the, you know, is the idea that is it tough to adapt for people that, started their career in a different in a different time in a different era um if you but it's a matter of to me it's as simple as it's as simple as being able to adapt and take a look around you and do it like i put out my first record in 1985 right and here i am multiple podcasts i'm on tour in Barcelona. I'm in Spain right now doing this interview, you know, headlining festivals, you know, across the world with Ozzy Osbourne and and stuff. And so it's like, what's the difference of me or like, say, an 80s band? Right. Like I had I had this I, I have the same skill set as some cock rock band that put out their record in the 80s. You know what I mean? And just because I was in Cryptic Slaughter, wh why? Why am I? more adaptable than someone else is you know what i mean so like i've been given the same tools to work with as anybody else it but here i am and then potentially someone else is in a different position right so um so you know i don't know man it, it, it's it's you know i, mean, I don't I don't know that i have a specific answer for that but it's it's just like anything i mean look is there lazy dudes in bands fuck yeah man all day long and is there <laughs> 
smart dudes in bands that know how to like work the system. Yeah, there's a few of those too, you know, and uh, and stuff. So I, I I don't know that there's a specific answer, but are there bands that can adapt to the digital age, and are there bands that can't adapt? Yes, absolutely, all day long. Gotcha. No, that's good. I mean, I, I, you know, obviously it's, uh, I always try to come up with questions that are going to, you know, <laughs> be a little, not, not have a specific answer. And the reason for that is just because, you know, I, I think that with those, with, with, uh, with the changing of times and stuff, what I've actually noticed, um, you know, as a counterpoint to that is I've noticed that like the older bands that I have seen have adopted to the new systems a little bit better. Mm than some of the new bands that are cropping up that still think that the old way like like you know you get signed to and you get signed to a record label and all your dreams will come true kind of thing it is and... interesting how i see that attitude in young bands like you're right like and i go like how does how is this even in your mind that you think that this is how this works <laughs> like it's right. it's insane for me to see that I saw this movie once. Yeah, like that sort of mindset. Yeah. Well, I think that kind of yeah. speaks to what we were saying earlier. Sorry to cut you off. What we were saying earlier about how, you know, people don't want to kind of put in the work. They just want someone to go, oh, you just follow steps A, B, C, and D. And I mean, I think, it, I don't remember, I don't remember if it was the Ash Ableton episode or the episode with, uh, with, uh, Mike, where, you know, you guys were talking about how, it was you making the comment that, you know, being a rock star and being a movie star are two of the hardest fucking things to do in the world. And if people think it's so fucking easy and it's not. And like my wife, when I made her listen to some of the episodes, she just laughed at that. And she was like, people do think it's so easy now. Like people aren't willing to put in the work. And I think that's honestly a, a big part of this cultural shift. I mean, I know you're <laughs> you were in a band getting signed when I was a year old. But I mean, I think I'm kind of of the last generation that remembers what life was like before the internet where you had to like find things to do and anything you wanted, you had to bust your ass to, to get it. Like I just saw on Facebook popped up a, a uh, post I made a couple years ago where it was like, I was recounting uh, when I had to corn to tassel for a whole fucking summer just so I could afford to buy a PlayStation when it first came out. And my dad asked me when <laughs> I spent all the money I had just made working for a full summer and he goes, was it worth it? And I go, yes, but I'm never fucking doing that ever again. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, I'll find some yeah. other way to make money where I don't have to work that hard. And he goes, well, it was a valuable lesson then because you learned that you need to learn how to work hard or smarter, not harder. Right. And I don't yep. feel like kids nowadays have that for a, for a multitude of reasons. Get off yeah. my lawn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I, I don't I don't know that it's a generational thing. I mean, from my perspective, it's it's just the it's just the music musician thing it's like look like i was in when i was in a band in the 80s i was in a band it was me and three other guys and i'm the only guy still still doing this right like like the other guys like all went off to do other stuff and whatever like whenever we you know all graduated high school in 1988 right like we they all went off to do different things. Like I'm the only guy that was stupid enough to chase the rock and roll dream. Right. And just because I chased it didn't mean that I was going to end up being the guy that I am today. I mean, quite possibly that wasn't going to happen, 
but I, I followed my dreams. I followed my passion. I did things that I thought were the right things to do to gain forward momentum and gain progress. And, you know, sometimes that worked and sometimes it didn't. But, um, but, you know, I mean, it's like, man, there's so many people that just get sidelined by distractions and they just lose perspective and, um, and it's unfortunate, but I mean, man, I, I, you know, I grew up and, and was in bands with and worked with some really talented people that for whatever reason, it just didn't work out for them. You know, they get distracted by real life, you know, real, like whatever it's like, you know, getting having kids getting into drugs getting into drinking you know it's like whatever multitude of distractions there are you know be be being you know family pressures of having to have a real job and you know like i faced all that shit too man you know and and um and if you and if you and if you listen to you know if you listen to like the tim bohr episode tim bohr's like he was like whatever really young like 18 19 had his he just had a kid you know and he was like man i had to figure something out but he had a passion and went for it and you know here he is he's like you know one of the biggest booking agents in the genre and um and stuff and uh so you know it's like you know and i, I think the theme throughout the the podcast is really just not being distracted and, and 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 having a passion for what this is and really embracing that passion and not being allowed to be distracted from what your goal is and that's the commonality of everyone that I interviewed is yeah. that they were they they definitely didn't get into music cuz they thought they were going to make a quick buck <laughs> like they they just loved heavy metal and they wanted a career in the business and they started off small and worked their way and worked their way up you know and and yeah i mean it's it's a matter of putting in the work like you said but it is working smarter and not harder in in that it's like you know i always kind of feel like whenever people ask me about like you know like like oh what do i gotta do and whenever i say the word work like i feel like i'm losing them Right. You know, like I feel, I feel, I feel like it's just like I can just see the hamster like turning the wheel in their brain of like just like oh man, like I gotta get like like work is such a scary, a big scary word. And so whenever I say, you know, work, like I don't mean like, you know, tarring a roof in the summertime, you know, having to get up at six a.m. and dig ditches, like. That's not what I mean by work. I mean, look, at the end of the day, all of us reach the level of success in the music business because we love what we were doing. And at no point did we feel like it, it was equivalent to digging ditches. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Oh, hold on. You want your food? Hold on. There's some uh, Girl Scout cookies trying to be sold. <laughs> Um, so uh, a question, you know, that Dan, between his other podcasts, like he was saying earlier, uh, where we, where they break down bands, discographies, it's called discography discussion. Great title. I know. Um, but we, uh, we ended up doing an episode, uh, a while back on the Asley dying dudes. And it was, 
unbeknownst to us, it was about a week before everything happened. And then we did a follow-up based on the this clip that aired, the 30-second clip or so. And, you know, something we've been talking about since then, just as fans, but just kind of as people, I, I guess, sort of in that read a lot of press and media and so forth. You know, from your perspective of being an, a band manager as well as having a podcast where you, you talk about these kind of things, and if you have already gotten to it, I, I will self-admittedly say I'm about four or five episodes behind on managemental, but I'm very... Amateur. In, I know. I'm intrigued. There's, Like you said earlier, there's only so much time you have <laughs> in a day. Yeah, there is, man. Totally. Um, but it's one of those things to me where the business side of what's happening with them is so unique and interesting to me as not only as a fan, but just kind of someone who loves learning about, you know, the music business uh, aspect of things. And, you know, something I've been kind of, and I know you talked with Brian Slagle and he made a comment, which now looking back has made me wonder if he was talking about, you know, basically as lay dying coming back with something else. Um, because he said that, you know, it'll be revealed in a few months. I don't know when this is coming out. Probably by the time this comes out, you know, people might already know what it is. And I don't know if that's what it was or not, but it's one of those things in thinking back to that conversation and just what's been going on with them, you know, and knowing that I'd be talking with you, how would you approach what's been going on with that band? Because I feel like it's, it's just so, it's just uncharted territory. Like there's so many questions that I would have, like how, how do you try to repair an image of a band that went through what they went through? And, you know, what does it look like when you're trying to roll out a plan of like, okay, so we're going to put out a teaser song and so forth and, and all that. It's like, you know, and a lot of people, a lot of fans were shitting on, I don't necessarily know Metal Blade per se, but the band for not putting out the the interview that they put out after the song. And it just kind of makes me wonder, like, you know, with you, what would you have done in that situation? Or do you think there was a, a better way to maybe tackle that? Well, I mean, look, to answer the question completely on the level and honestly, I wouldn't have been in that situation. Um, it, just because I, I, I would have had to distance myself from it. Like, I, I just honestly, I, I, I just my values aren't aligned with that. And no matter how much you can have a sake of forgiveness for somebody, at the end of the day, this is business. Mm -hmm. And my business values don't align with that situation. And I just I, – I would not have found myself in a position to have to try and rebuild someone's career coming off of a situation like that. I just, just – I, I, I just – I don't, I don't, unfortunately, I just don't have a specific answer of what I would have done. I wouldn't have done anything in that situation. Yeah. It was kind of interesting because as Dan and I were talking earlier, I had made the comment, you know, I wonder if there, if the, if the re-releasing the band's back catalog on vinyl, like I know Metal Blade's a big vinyl label anyway, so that's not a big shock, but it made me kind of wonder in retrospect now of being like, oh, was this a, a thing to test the waters to see how financially viable the band still is, even if it's only their back catalog, which arguably, if they were to come back, that's kind of what they're probably going to be touting anyway in any touring capacity or whatever. Um, but it, it's just, I don't know, it's just kind of weird to kind of look at this thing from a business perspective and just kind of being like, man, how the fuck would you tackle this? Because it just seems... 
it doesn't seem like there's any right or wrong way to do it, but there also seems to be a lot of right or wrong ways to do something where when you finally see it, you're like, oh, I don't know if I would have done that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, look, I mean, uh, the people involved have, you know, they're they're involved on whatever level that they are, and I and I can't speak on it. You know, it's like Slagle's a good friend, and you know, he's a he's a business owner, and um and so what you know whatever he thought was the right thing to do for his business regarding. A, a, you know, regarding a, an artist that he has signed to his label, uh, you know, I'm sure that he had some serious debates internally about what the right thing to do was. And, you know, he made his decisions and they, you know, they, they, they did what they did, you know, and then, uh, and that, that, you know, that's on them, you know, it, it's, it's totally their decision. And, you know, I don't, I don't fault anybody for, you know, for, you know, having to, do whatever it is that they got to do that they feel is the right decision based on all their internal conversations, given the scope of the situation. Yeah, that's a rough one, man. I've spent probably five hours talking about that and uh, it's a, uh, Oh man. Yeah. It's just a messed up situation all around, but I think uh, everybody's doing the best they can, you know, <laughs> despite yeah. it. And um, that just goes to show you too, though, you know, kind of like, I kind of feel like, you know, this is a little off of the uh, off of that subject specifically. But one thing that I really thought shined through on your podcast, especially that I don't really hear very much with industry insiders is the love for the music, you know, the, the love for the bands, what they what they've done, what they've put out, what they've gone through. Um, a lot of the times, I think when we think of industry insiders, it's, you know, you're thinking of people that are just cold calculated money grabbing people. And I think that, I think that's what kind of made your podcast interesting to me was that you, you know, your guests that you had on were very positive. Like it, it's the most positive inner music industry podcast that I've heard. And um, I think a lot of the times it's really easy to focus on the negatives of what's going on but i mean in a certain sense like you really captured it as far as like there's a reason all these dudes are in the positions that they're in and yeah. it's not it's not because it was a good paycheck all the time <laughs> you know no. what i mean like, no <laughs> yeah no and 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 that i'm really happy that you you took that out of the 10 episodes because even though here's the thing, like everybody that I interviewed, I know personally, but I didn't necessarily know their own entrepreneurial journey from start to finish. Right. Like I didn't, I didn't know the inner workings other than like, I've known these people for a long time and I've worked with them, but like I never necessarily had the time to sit down and really kind of talk to them like I did on the podcast. And so that passion that you pulled out of that, was really a happy accident. Cause like I said, like I knew that all these people were passionate about what they did, but I didn't necessarily intend that that was going to be a commonality amongst all of them going into it. Right. Like, I mean, I knew that it was, but I, I didn't know necessarily that it was going to resonate as much as that it, that, that it had. And, um, and I, and I really find that to be a really, additional positive bonus of the episodes when you listen to it um 
that I'm happy that you acknowledged and that you noticed. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's one of those things. It's like it's it's so easy to be negative and down and be like, oh, well, this band was so you know they they were hard to get along with or. You know, I had to put up with all these dumb requests from people all the time. And it's not like that stuff isn't real. It's not like that stuff isn't happening. But it, it's it's nice to see that they were comfortable enough with you to talk about the things that they really enjoyed and that they loved. And, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely got a lot out of that. And um, you know, I think it's cool. I, I liked that I got to listen to, you know, 10 episodes all at once uh, versus, you know, because, like, I mean, I just was told about the podcast i mean probably like three or four days ago you know and and to be able to sit down and listen and you know and really dissect and, and get some ideas and stuff and um but yeah that, that was definitely the prevailing feeling i had was just this kind of positivity of like yeah the music industry's changed but it's okay you know like yeah we're, we're going with it you know and i i thought that that was really cool um, and one of the things that we noticed, too, is that, you know, I definitely enjoy the uh, kind of the rock solid format. So what me and John are going to do now is we're going to flip the table on you a little bit and we're going to ask you some of the questions that you ask your <laughs> guests. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, that's the, that's the plot twist of the episode. That's great. Uh, John, you want to start off? I know you've got a couple. All right, so you always like to end your episodes with forming a supergroup, uh, a, a band that you would like to, that person would like to see. So, in thinking about a different way to ask that question, because I'm I'm sure we're not going to be the only clever podcasters to flip your own, use your own thing to end the episode <laughs> with. So, my thing that I came up with was, what would be your supergroup of music industry people? Oh, interesting. My 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 super team. Mhm. Wow. Okay. That is a good one. All right. Well, so 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 in this in this hypothetical, it's my band, right? And I'm yep. building a team. I'm building a team around my band. So who would who would be who would be my perfect team? Mm -hmm. So I have to say my attorney is going to be Dina Lapolt because she is a raging pit bull, um, and that's what you, and that's what your attorney should be. Um, and then, so my manager, I wonder who my manager would be. Part of me thinks that it's going to be Rick Sales because he manages Slayer, and Slayer is my favorite band of all time. So. I'm going to have to say that's probably the case. And then um, uh, who would be the booking agent? The booking agent – well, I feel like Tim Bohr would be the agent, except for – that's kind of not really that fun of a hypothetical because <laughs> he, books, he books all my bands anyway. Right. Right. Um, so uh, let me get back to that one. Um well, you know what's interesting is Rod McSween, he books Ozzy, right? But, like, I'm a hired gun in Ozzy. So if this is my band, Rod McSween manages some of the biggest bands. Like, he – I mean, he, he books, like, Kiss and Guns N' Roses and Ozzy. And, it, like, it, it's like the list goes on. It's, it's mega, right? So I feel like maybe he's got some favors that he could pull. 
you know, to kind of make some fucking crazy next level shit happen. So I'd, I'd probably maybe go with him as the agent. So there's the agent, the attorney, the manager, who else, uh, who else we got on the team? Who else would it be? Like maybe like the label, like what label would I want to be on? And, and I would say, Ooh, that's a tough one. And you know what, man, my honest answer in this day and age is I would self-release through a wall. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't sign to a label. Um, and then, uh, and then I would hire out any, you know, outside things like say a publicist. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, I'd probably have to look into what would be the right publicist, um, for that. So, Hmm. There's a lot, there's a lot of, to choose from in that world. Um, I don't know on that one, but, uh, yeah, that's, 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 is that, is that everybody? Is that, is I think that's a pretty solid team regardless. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I obviously, and those who have listened to your podcast or managemental, I think <laughs> have learned that there's so many pieces to the machine that keep it all going that people aren't even aware of. Yeah. Oh yeah. No doubt. No doubt. All right, so I got one. Uh, I think this will probably be our closing because I know time is passing uh, despite how much I don't want it to. Velasco, um, <laughs> what are you fired up about right now? I'm fired up that that I did this podcast, and I'll tell you why. Because I have an overactive, creative mind, and there isn't a day that goes by that I don't think of doing something, starting a religion, starting a clothing company. So like, you know what I mean? Like my, my brain is just overactive of like wanting to start things. Like if I, if I like, if I watch a movie, I leave the movie wanting to make a movie, right? Like if I want, if I, if I binge a TV show, I, I end up finishing the TV show with wanting to having 10 ideas for TV shows. You know what I mean? Like I remember like watching, watching shark tank and just being like, fuck, like I have this great idea for like a music version of shark tank. And I called a bunch of people and I, and I like, it's just, it's just like, I just can't, I can't, I can't do anything without having the, the answer for how it fits into my own world of creating that version of it. Right. So I'm fired up about the fact that I actually had one of these ideas and this is specifically a new level podcast and that I took time because I mean developmentally wise it's probably two years in the in the thought process to get it to where it was real to pull in everybody that I did because it's like I mean I think a lot of people perceive a podcast as something as like well, like I just record some shit and put it on the internet, right? Like, isn't that a podcast? Like, yeah, I guess maybe, <laughs> but no. Like, it's not that easy. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you gotta like. There's a lot more that goes into it, especially like an interview-based podcast, right? Um, that wasn't easy to do. I mean, you 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 figure it's just like all well, you know. First of all, I gotta I got I gotta I gotta have a concept. Right. And then I got to track down all the people I'm going to interview and then I got to have someone edit it. And then 
then I got to have someone, you know, make the bumpers and the music and the, and the bed. And I got to have a vision for what it all is and, and everything. Like it can't just be like, like dudes rambling, you know what I mean? Like conceptually it has to come from a point. You have to understand your audience. You have to, you have to know where you're going, who you're going to market it to and how exactly you're going to do that. So the fact that I was able to get past the idea phase, get into the execution phase, actually do that, get to launch phase, put it out there in the world, lands at number 17 on the iTunes music podcast charts. And then now I'm sitting here talking to you guys because I'm doing the follow through. I'm doing press on it. I'm driving, you know, driving traffic. I'm putting in the quote unquote work that it takes to, you know, get people to acknowledge the fact that this even exists and to listen to it and to get something out of it. So that's what I'm the most fired up about. My last uh, question for you is you already mentioned that you're on Ozzy's last uh, farewell tour, the No More Tours 2, because <laughs> we already did this yeah. once uh, in the 80s. <laughs> um, looking back, you know, you, you, get, you have the unique perspective of being a fan of Ozzy's but now being in the band and kind of seeing a firsthand experience of watching everybody else experience this farewell tour. What has been one of your, your fondest memories of, in your time with Ozzy? Uh, every like every moment like it's just look i mean you gotta put yourself in my shoes for a second and go like man i was just like some dude that would like get on my bmx bike and ride to my buddy's house and uh, across town and and we'd listen to like blizzard of oz and pyromania and watch mtv and you know smoke weed when his parents fell asleep and you know what I mean? Like it was like the, the, the fact that I just got back from having dinner with that guy, like now is insane to even fathom. Like right. it's, it's just, it's just like, like it's, it doesn't even make sense. It's like, how could I, as a kid that wasn't even a musician at that point have been obsessing over an album that I now get to play on stage in front of thousands of people every night. Like, how is that even a possibility? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. it, 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 it can't be one moment or one highlight. The right. fact that it exists night after night is unbelievably the most tremendous highlight I could even ever imagine. Yeah. Well, that's uh that's the episode basically. I like to usually have the guests plug their socials where people can find you, where people can find uh, the new a new level and managemental. And then uh, I always like to end these episodes out with a song. So what would you like us to end it out to? And maybe a, a quick little story about it. Oh wow! Um, You're on the spot now. Wow. Hmm. That's that is tough. A song with a story behind it. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I suppose you could s play Bark at the Moon because that is the very next song I'm going to play on stage <laughs> because it's the, it's the first song in the set. And so the story would be is like after I get done with you guys, I'm going to go do a rock show and I'm going to go play Bark at the Moon. Um, and uh, But um, – 
but yeah, I would do that. And then, um, oh, socials is uh, Blasco1313. So B-L-A-S-K-O-1313. And that's my Instagram. And on my Instagram, there's a, a link tree in my bio that links to everything. But um, my Instagram is really the, the main destination. And, and Blasco1313 is also my Twitter and uh, everything else. So, but yeah, Instagram, all, it all starts at Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for, for taking the time. I know it wasn't a new level uh, time length, but uh, greatly appreciated nonetheless. Nah, man, we just went for it, man. It was awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah anytime. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, enjoy rocking out uh, over in Madrid, I think you said you're in. I'm in uh, Barcelona. Barcelona. And uh, yeah, and um, the next gig that we do is actually going to be in Tel Aviv, Israel. So there wow. you go. Awesome. Right. Yeah. Well, Enjoy your show, uh, break a leg as they say, and uh, looking forward to season two of uh, a new level. Thanks, sure. guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Blasco. Yep. Bye. So that was our chat with Rob Blasco Nicholson, band manager extraordinaire and podcaster of Managemental and of a new level podcasts. What'd you think of that chat, Dan? Man, that was a lot of fun. Um, dude was super energetic. Which is weird because, I mean, we were calling him. He was, like, in Italy. Spain, I believe. And it's, like, the middle of the night, right? Isn't it? Was it Spain? I thought it was Italy. He was in Barcelona. I don't know. I thought, it was, I thought he said, yeah, I thought he said Italy, but I, you know. You know what? Just because there are people Long story probably short, listening. It was the middle of the night. No, <laughs> you know what? It was. No, no, no. It was Spain. It was for sure Spain. <laughs> yeah, because I was going to say he actually was saying he was going to play I wrote a gig. That down my, I wrote that down on my note. Calling from Spain. <laughs> <laughs> Which I didn't realize at first until he said it, like, at the very end. Yeah. No, the only reason I knew where tentatively where he was is because of his tweets and uh, it, it geotagging where he was. Because the NSA is always after you. Gotcha. Right. No, I, I, I mean, always know where you're at. But yeah. No, that was cool, man. He, he definitely, um, you know, he, he had an answer for just almost everything we had to ask him. You know? And uh, we got to we got to play a little bit of game of turning his format back on him a little bit. You know, it's funny. I, I really do. I would hope that I'm not going to that we're not going to be the only one step thought to do that with him uh, in, you know, these pressers that he's going to be doing. But I at least hope for the the way I flipped his, you know, supergroup question on him. I really hope that, you know, he kind of walks away and, and legitimately thought it was cool because I, I I mean, I know you and I have been brainstorming on on how to end the episode for the last couple of days. And my big thing with it was like, I was like, you know, and you can attest that I was very adamant. I was like, no, we got to do it this way. We're like, we're instead of like it being a band, it's a super group of like industry people. Cause like, that's what his podcast is about. So I, I hope that he legitimately thought it was cool and, and interesting. And I will be, I'll be shocked if anyone else does that. Uh, maybe they will after they hear this, if he ends up sharing it. But I thought that was a, a pretty cool I, thing. And I think the other thing that I was pleasantly surprised with, and, and I hope, you know, people don't feel like I was trying to bait him into something, but the Esley Dying stuff I thought was kind of interesting because, I mean, really, like, can you think of another instance where from a, a business perspective, from either being a band manager to being a label owner to being a publicist and so forth, that's ha had to deal with this like the Asley dying situation has unfolded. I don't know who signed uh, Chris Brown. Well, he was, um, well, I mean, sort of like Asley dying. He just got arrested yeah, again I, today. I don't know if you saw that. I know. I saw, I saw that. Uh, that's why it popped into my head. Cause I was like, you know, 
I'm sure there's other labels that have dealt with this before, but uh, I thought his uh, his take was interesting, and it just goes to show that you know, despite the band having what seems to be like overwhelming support, there is still a large percentage of people that are very divided on on that issue, you know, and uh, that just goes to show you that it's not just fans. It's I mean, even industry insiders are kind of like saying you know like hey i you know i i would have washed my hands of this situation you have other people saying no nah, you know i think it's okay as long as you know as long as it's really you know in the past you know <laughs> that sort of thing so uh it was definitely good to get his uh perspective on that yeah i was also like like you said i was surprised it's almost <laughs> sometimes talking with people who do podcast and are also in the management side of things it's always interesting to see how quick on their feet these kind of people are like when answering a question, I mean, we kind of threw them some curveballs, even with the, you know, do you think people in bands come on or, you know, do some of these, these types of press avenues, outlets, whatever. And, you know, if the opportunity presents itself to maybe say something that they know might, might, you know, catch a little media attention because of it. And it was interesting to see him kind of be like, no, I, I think that'd kind of be a detriment to someone's career if they're, they're hoping uh, that that's what they can yeah, do. Yeah, I think that'd be really stupid, yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, I, I sometimes uh, feel like when you read some of these quotes and shit, you're like, did this person, was like, this person like, sort of like, well, if this person asks this thing, like, I'm not really going to hold back. Like, because I mean, like, there just seems like there would be some, some, <laughs> some forethought like when someone asks you a question instead of being like and then just saying whatever comes to mind that you'd be like well there's the thought i have and then there's a better way i could articulate it and not you know shit on somebody in the process yeah i think what it is is that there's people that i, I mean there might be some people that try to do it intentionally but i think what we're really running into now is because of these types of outlets like podcasts like you know, as a podcast, we try to make people feel comfortable, you know, talking with us and you you kind of relax because it's not like doing a press interview where you're, you know, sitting down and somebody's holding a microphone up to your face and saying, what do you think about this? It, we're more like, hey, man, sit down, have a beer. How's it going? You know, and it's just kind of a chill atmosphere. And I think that's when quotes like that tend to jump out. Because you kind of forget that you you still are doing a legitimate media thing, <laughs> and um, so I think sometimes people's strong opinions about things just kind of come out, and at that point it's like oh, you know there might be some regret after after it posts or after you know after you get quoted or or, or something, but I think right. uh, I think with a lot of these guys I don't think it's intentional I think it's just. Um, just kind of a lack of uh, a lack of forethought, maybe dropping the guard a little <laughs> bit too much on on having a on having an opinion that maybe isn't going to go over too well. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely think it was really interesting and and a little fun aside. Uh, to me over at the Talk to Me podcast, talked to him uh, shortly after we did. So very much looking forward to hearing their conversation together and seeing what similarities uh, occur between the two. He's going to blast us. It's going to it's going to be identical. It's going to be the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he texted me too. He's like, "Yeah, dude." He was like, "That guy's pretty pretty much up in the middle of the night <laughs> doing all these. It's a weird time to do a press day." You yeah. know. Just well, be like, "Yeah, I'll just do all my press." Uh, let's see. One o'clock in the morning seems great. Let's go ahead and do that. But he's probably, 
I don't know. Are touring musicians at that level jet lagged? Like, do, do you think you even get? I should ask him that. You know, hey man, how jet lagged are you right now? Well, I was gonna say, where's Kate? Well, I do know from listening to some other podcasts and having friends who do some international touring. You know, something they always say is like when you get over there, the first thing you should do is just try to make it through their day. So that way, when you finally go to sleep, you're on their schedule of of sleeping. However, when you're probably jet setting and going and playing all these random festivals wherever, and you're probably either on a bus or a private private plane, you know, at, at a level of with Ozzy, you know, you're probably at the point where, you know, you're catching sleep where you can, and you know, he. Although the thing that kind of got me was he said he was going to play a show. So, I mean, at that point, it's like, okay, like, is he going to take a nap maybe before the day? Or had he just played a show, like you were potentially saying, then maybe he's, like, all wound up from playing a show. And it's like, yeah, give me the press because, like, I'm going to be up for the next handful of hours anyway. Yeah, I don't know. There there had to have been some sort of caffeinated uh, thing involved. <laughs> I can't imagine it any other way because, I mean, he – it was – it was uh when we talked to him, it was, like, bright as – bright daylight, you know, mid-afternoon whenever – I was, you know, where I'm sitting here yeah. in St. Louis, and, like, he was more awake than I was. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great segue to our show sponsor, the Bean Bastard Coffee. Uh, if you like caffeinated beverages that will keep you awake for for interviews, for your job, whatever it is you need to drink coffee for, head over to thebeanbastard.com. Buy you some excellent roasted coffees. You can check out the Life Preserver, which has got the uh, Back to the Future uh, thing to it. All these things are really great, and they're like kind of 80s pop culture themed. Uh, my favorite like uh, everyday drink out of the few coffees I got is the uh, Panama Blend, uh, which obviously is Van Halen inspired. And the the good one I like to drink on Saturday morning so far is the, the RoboCup. It's the uh, espresso one, and uh, definitely gives you a little extra – gives a little kick? Yeah. Like a- like a like a like a like a robotic cop is kicking it, you. It, it gives that, you it gives you a kick. it gives you a Danny Larusso crane kick uh, to start your morning. Nice. I had to keep it on. <laughs> had to keep it on brand. <laughs> but yeah, I want to give a big right. thanks to uh, right. show sponsor, the Bean Bastard. You can find them at thebeanbastard.com, Like I said, you can also check them out on Facebook and Instagram at the Bean Bastard. Uh, if you actually saw, if you follow them, uh, this the newest post as of today. Uh, Nick actually got the lady who played Slimer uh, to hold the uh, like the Ghostbusters blend type one that he used. Uh, I don't remember what it was called, but it was Very a pretty cool. big deal. Yeah, so follow them and you get to see all kinds of crazy things. He uses utilizes a lot of uh, props from like Ghostbusters toys and a lot of toys from the eighties, and uh, it's a good time and it's a good good product and uh, support them because they support us over here at the podcast. And uh, where can uh, people find you, Dan? Oh well, you can find me at um, I'm at Discuss Metal Dan on Twitter. Um, you can find me um, under Plain Old Daniel Terry on Facebook, and uh, I am working on the Instagram thing. I promise. Uh, <laughs> but you can also find everything else that I'm doing uh, with uh, my other podcast discography discussion at DiscussMetal.com or uh, Facebook.com/slash discography discussion and if you would like to keep up with blasco you can simply do it at blasco 1313 and as he said in the uh episode he has a a tree link that basically will take you to all of his various uh, socials that he wants to plug uh twitter also blasco 1313 and if you would like to keep up with everything that i'm doing here on the podcast you can find me on facebook instagram and youtube at johnson title podcast tweet at me at johnson title pod and email me at johnson title pod at gmail.com there is a website 
it is technically live-ish. Uh, if you would like to go check it out, see what's going on, maybe give me some suggestions on what you'd like to see over there, you can head over to www.johnsontitlepod.com. And for our partners over at Moshpit Nation, you can find them at moshpitnation.com. Find them on Facebook at Moshpit Nation West, capital M-I, and Instagram and Twitter are simply Moshpit Nation. And we are going to end this episode, as we always do, with a song. And as you heard Blasco pick, he wanted us to end it out with Bark at the Moon by Ozzy Osbourne, for obvious reasons. And uh, yeah, so we're going to do that. I want to thank Dan for coming on and co-hosting this episode with me. Anytime. That's what I'm here for. And uh, going forward, you will hear a lot more of Dan on this. Uh, as you will hear, uh, I'm going to release the quick little piloty type thing of uh, Dan and I talking about uh, him coming on as a co-host, and you will start hearing him more often on some of these upcoming episodes. So without further ado, this is Ozzy Osbourne, Bark at the Moon.